0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the NFL Roadshow. Lindsay Rhodes here on the Friday of week 11, looking ahead to the 13 remaining games of the week with my special guest today, NFL media's analytics expert, Cynthia Freeland. You know her from Game Day Morning, Fantasy Live, Game Day Pick'em. She does it all. And she manages one of my fantasy leagues, the only fantasy league this year that I'm actually doing well in. So thanks for providing me that outlet, Cynthia.
1: You know, it's always great to work with a pro like you because mm. this is how people should know you're a huge pro. You can say analytics analyst. You can say analytics expert. I'm telling you, this is a very difficult thing for most people. They're like, <laughs> they can't do it. So this is how you know. You are the word smithing, You've got it all down. This is why.
0: So uh, Cynthia, as you can imagine, those of you listening is one of the smartest people that I know uh, she has her own analytics model. Explain to me what goes into creating a model.
1: Yeah. So not like the good stuff on Instagram with selfies. It's like the opposite. It's like you take all of the stats that happened for years past in the NFL and you take some ones that are proprietary. So, you know, any, everyone in tech has to have something proprietary. That's what makes them special. Mine is just computer vision. I measured a bunch of things using basically geometry, you know, the yellow line. It's kind of like the yellow line. And I measured a whole bunch of things that are very simple, but other people didn't do it. So I just got there first. And that's the only thing that makes me special. But those eight seasons prior, they inform and you kind of look for doppelgangers with what's going on this season. So an offense that looks like the Ravens is going to have different metrics that matter compared to an offense that looks like the Bucks, right? A true pocket passer versus a very mobile quarterback and a run first offense. So it looks for doppelgangers and then matches up the situations that they're in. So you're saying, you know, this type of offense type versus this type of defense. And then it spits out a whole bunch of potential outcomes for the game. And then some are more likely than others. So that's why you have to run a bunch of simulations. And then you simulate what happens, what happens, what happens. And then that's how you come up with the kind of the the potential for both you know stat lines for players and for the final score projection and for obviously who wins
0: so when a team that does this faces a team who does this this is what is most likely to happen based exactly. on the history of what has happened before are you pairing up doppelgangers as the season goes on like can you or is it just a statistical specific instance in which you have a doppelganger or are you getting like this team is trending towards the uh, 1985 Falcons or whatever.
1: You you nailed it with a this team is tending, team is tending towards the 1985 Falcons. Not them because they're a little right. outside of my range, but but I can't do that much. <laughs> you season. don't go like, back to 85. Not that good. Okay, <laughs> not 85, but you know more like the 95, right? So okay. and then it will trend to say, okay. So, for example, the Ravens are actually a really good example because last season in Lamar Jackson's MVP campaign, they were nearly unstoppable, especially in the regular season. Right? We saw, you know, they knew you were, the teams knew that they were going to face a bunch of runs outside, inside, all of the different explosive runs from Lamar Jackson, and they couldn't stop him. Now this season, we've seen fewer explosive runs because teams kind of seem to quote unquote have his number. Well, what happens is is the data will show, and every person, every team is like this, that as teams' defenses have more film of a player, then they have to keep adapting. So the, what the model can show you is that the Ravens are actually running the same sequences of plays, so X on first down, Y on second down, Z on third down, way too often. That's what the model suggests, because it's not giving them the yards that they want. So their offense is very similar from last season to this season, which gives defensive coordinators A leg up because they've seen this trick before. They know what to do to stop it. So that's how you know the model can kind of show tendencies and when you break from them versus when you're just so good at something you can beat it. It's typically in the NFL, you can't be so good at something you just beat people all the time. You have to have the right blend of my own bag of tricks that I can dip into, and then you know, being able to then move on and say, okay, well, I just do this really good, also, right? Like so. They've got to figure out a few more ways to disguise Lamar Jackson's rushes so that they can potentially use his rushing ability a little bit better.
0: That's interesting because the Ravens of all teams are really big into analytics. So you would think that this would be something that they would have been able to see coming or would know was happening right now and would have adjusted. Do you think that that implies that they are just built to do specifically the things that they're doing now and won't be able to adjust.
1: So there's like part of analytics is like you're scouting an off season and part of your analytics is on the field. They invested super heavily this off season in their defense and if you look to see, their defense has gotten a lot better. So I would argue that their return on investment for where they made investments is actually paying off. They didn't invest so much in the offense. Remember, they didn't bring in the wide receiver. They drafted their first draft pick was a linebacker, Patrick Queen out of LSU. He, it wasn't a wide receiver, despite there being such a deep wide receiver class. So the interesting thing is, is I would argue that their analytics are paying off, but they're just not changing the play calling. And that potentially is an area where we could see as the season finishes that they really start to kind of pick it up a little bit more. So, you know, it's it's all hand in glove, right? The coach has to call the place. The analytics can only do so much and they all kind of have to work together.
0: So we're all looking for an edge when it comes to predicting success be it for our fantasy rosters or for gambling purposes or for just the general purposes of being right and knowing which teams are going to be good at the end of the season and which teams are not going to be good when it comes to team success trying to figure out who has staying power and who does not is there anything specific that you look for mathematically that is a good and and consistent indicator
1: Sure. So some accessible things to look at. So you don't have to like go get an extra degree and like be a little like crazy. with. Right. Like go get some, you don't have to start modeling, but some things to look for are a balance of your ability on third down to convert. So if you look, these are accessible. You can go online. You can go, most people can Google these, right? I'm rolling out the Eagles. (laughs) Not okay. Well, part of the the Raiders right now, right? Best third down conversion percentage in the NFL, and you're seeing them winning games that we didn't think at the beginning of the season that they would. But if you want to be really smart about it and get your edge, do their their offensive third down conversion minus their defenses allowed Hmm. third down conversion. So that net difference, that is huge. Then you look to see, okay – this is where this kind of, because remember, complementary football. You, the offense needs to complement the defense and special teams. So you want a good blend of good third down, and then it doesn't sound sexy, but efficient rushing, because then you have a lot more control over the ball. So if you can do efficient rushing, a few explosive plays, and then you have that, na- that positive third down differential, you're usually in great shape. So big plays minus big plays, so your big play differential third down differential and then rushing differential. Those three things you can probably have an edge at least on your friends. The efficient rushing metric
0: is that where the value of the running back comes in because I see that conversation a lot in analytics twitter people talking about the devaluation of the running back and how obviously pass plays are, you know, uh, the average yards per play is much higher. So why why is the efficient running factor in do you think so heavily to the win percentage when we're having that conversation parallel to it
1: so if you want to be a good passing team my argument would be to get to be a better running team analytics twitter will say the specific running back you're running with doesn't necessarily matter because there's more scheme involved with rushing right shifts by the o line potential for tricks and motion pre-snap motion has been a huge factor this season all of these different sort of like like Sparks that an offensive coordinator can create. So it doesn't matter, like, who the running back is, right? That's what they're arguing. They're not arguing that running isn't important. They do think there are some people who say to pass on a lot of plays, but I would argue that defense needs to be kept off balance. If a defense knows you're always going to run, then that's hard for you to continue to efficiently run. If a defense knows that you're going to pass a lot, they'll typically give you a bit more space, which means you're smart to run the ball, right? Because it's all about space and where you can get those yards. So the idea is to be balanced and keep the defense off balanced enough so that you're actually, it's, it's not sexy to be like, hey, so sometimes you just need to get four yards on first down, it doesn't sound super sexy, but if you get those four yards more efficiently because you've got Derrick Henry, then you should probably do that because the identity of your team really dictates what you're capable of. You can't say, like, like I'm from Michigan. The Lions, DeAndre Swift is like this little lightning bolt of excitement for all of us because, you know, there's this guy, Barry Sanders, that pretty much we've had, that's the last time, maybe Reggie Bush. He was pretty good too. But, you know, ultimately, you know, we, we've had these things where you have never seen their ability to run. And then Matthew Stafford, He's a great passer, underrated quarterback. But if a defense always knows you're going to pass, really hard to pass the ball, especially when Megatron leaves. Okay, I'll stop now, but you know.
0: So the emergence (laughs) of DeAndre Swift last week was a very exciting one for you.
1: Oh, yeah. It was very exciting also because – you know, they drafted him in the second round and I thought, and, you know, a lot of people that I trust with their draft metrics, he had a potential late first round grade on him. And I was like, Oh, what a little thief. The Lions just stole someone. And it's, it's nice when it pays off. Right.
0: (laughs) DeAndre Swift, one of my, uh, must plays this week in fantasy, which we're going to get to in just a minute. I can't wait to hear your, uh, take on, um, things in that department. We typically take a pretty heavy fantasy slant on our Friday show, try to get those rosters set. Uh, And we'll find out who you have your eye on in just a second. First, we want to catch up on the headlines. So let's break the huddle. First up, some injury news, and it's going to be Mike Davis again for the Panthers. Christian McCaffrey ruled out for Sunday's game against the Lions. That shoulder injury is still an issue. In fact, Matt Rule says he doesn't know when he will be back on the field. As for his quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater, he's dealing with an MCL sprain. He's been limited at practice this week. He's wearing a brace. So we're going to monitor that one as we head into the weekend, as we will do with Drew Locke in Denver, though he does appear to be trending in the right direction with a ribs injury there. Stafford's thumb looks like it's not going to hold him back on Sunday. He was throwing in practice on Thursday. We already knew that we wouldn't see Drew Brees this week against the Falcons. Now it's sounding like he's going to be out a couple of games, at least a second opinion, confirming the original diagnosis of a collapsed lung and five fractured ribs as for the big Sunday night game in Las Vegas Raiders might be playing with a defense that hasn't uh, practiced very much this week. They have been practicing with about half of their defense uh, on the COVID reserve list. They're home because of those intensive COVID protocols. But if, They pass their tests. They're negative in time to play on Sunday. They will be able to play. So it sounds like they'll probably have a majority of these people on Sunday, but they won't have gotten much work in as they prepare for the Chiefs. Giants have a new offensive line coach. Uh, Mark Colombo was fired after an altercation with head coach Joe Judge, replaced by Dave DiGuglielmo. So that'll be interesting when they come back from there by. And most importantly, perhaps, Cynthia, shocking news out of Los Angeles. Justin Herbert cut his hair. Well, yeah, I know that it's not good. It's why, why would he cut that hair? He had the best hair in the NFL and he let the strength and conditioning coach, John Lott, like buzz cut it. And to me, this feels a little bit like a fireable
1: offense. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He looks like kind of like Josh Hartnett, but like kind of the poor man's Josh Hartnett to me. I saw River
0: Phoenix from Stand By Me floating around. On Twitter,
1: it's bad. <sighs> it's. I thought it was a hazing thing, like mm-hmm. you know, hey buddy, you're not. Well, I agreed. don't know.
0: He agreed, or at least he says he agreed. Uh, he should have serious buyer's remorse because this is brought up <laughs> memories of like Harry Russell when she cut her hair on Felicity. I don't know that there's been a a, a haircut quite this. I don't know. I don't know. Speculated about. The, yeah. The
1: motivations are quite suspect. Well, let's this. just
0: hope it doesn't have like a, a Samson effect, right? Because he's off to such a good start to his rookie year. Uh, I, I don't know why you would mess with anything like that, but, uh, whatever, obviously this is not amongst the most important news of this week. It just was <laughs> certainly shocking to me. Clearly, uh, left a mark. Let's talk about, uh, the Jameis Winston situation, right? So It sounds like it's going to be Jameis Winston. They're not telling us it's going to be Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill, but it looks like the fact that they started the third quarter with him, it would make more sense for them to go Jameis and then maybe rotate Taysom in the way that they do with uh, Drew Brees. What kind of fantasy impact do you think that that has on the players there in New Orleans? And, and how playable do you think Jameis is? What's, what's reasonable to expect from him?
1: So, You know, look, I think the interesting part about Jameis is that he was never a bad quarterback. He just threw a lot of picks. Lots. And, you know, when you have that bad situation of turnovers, this is very difficult. However, the thing that the Saints are quite good at, at least, you know, that was different from Tampa Bay, was having a strong, and I'm going to go back to it, unsexy run game. Alvin Kamara is a huge difference maker. It's a lot harder to throw a pick to Alvin Kamara if you're handing the ball off than it is throwing it down the field for 550,000 yards. I think that was his average last year each game. So if you're not throwing it so much and you, you even have the threat of the run, which on the passes that he's going to make, there will be always the threat of the run, right? So because of that balance, it'll be less likely that Jameis will give a lot of, turnover situations for me it's possibly as a pick but I think it's a much stronger possibility especially against the Falcons defense which we've seen be suspect yeah it's going to be a good outcome for him in this game in fact he falls in my top 10 so outside of Thursday if you're still you know look it's the weekend we've moved on right so if you're still playing a quarterback he is in my top 10 of remaining quarterbacks with a game left to play Okay,
0: what about Michael Thomas and what he does for his value? Because Michael Thomas has not had a great fantasy year this year. He's played three games. He's been the wide receiver 80, wide receiver 49, and wide receiver 70. Then Jameis comes in last week. He targets him on half of his throws. He's got a great matchup against Kendall Sheffield, who is PFF's lowest graded cornerback. Uh, Atlanta's allowing 44 plus points per game to wide receivers, so everything here spells "please plug Michael Thomas into your lineup." But in DraftKings, I think it's interesting because he's being priced as if he's a "please plug him into your lineup" guy at 7,300. The fact that we haven't seen it from him this year means you're already paying for the value as if it is there. So, yeah.
1: are you well, he getting hasn't the seen value the end zone yet? He yeah. hasn't seen the end zone yet, and he's t- it's, it's time. I mean, from the, from the standpoint of targets and targets in the red zone and opportunity, I do believe that his pricing on DraftKings has more to do with the opponent and the Kendall Staffield note that you just made than it does with his production. Absolutely, there's no other way to explain that pricing. Um, I think in a game where you are like in a cash game with a 50-50 odds, he's totally playable there. I'm fading him in my tournament situations. I don't – that's not a play that I'd like to pay up for this week. I think there are other people that are in more interesting situations with a higher return on investment. In regular, in regular fantasy, you're playing him. You're playing him. I mean, yeah. you have to, right? So this is this is not a it's not a total it's not a sit it's not like that. It's just be mindful, like think about the risk reward benefit, right? Like if they go up very, you know, if Sean Payton's no idiot, right? He wants to win. He he knows the importance of that single buy this season compared to last season where there's two teams that get a buy, right? So single buy, they need to win the game. They're not going to do something crazy. It actually means that Alvin Kamara could have a better opportunity to exceed his exceedingly high salary in terms of return on investment in daily formats than Michael Thomas. So watch Michael Thomas now have four touchdowns and I'll have to eat my words, but you know, that's that's just the way that this year has gone though. Look, all we can do is do the work, right?
0: I mean, the analytics are there. There's so much, I feel like this year, maybe more than in years past, I feel yep. like I've done all of this matchup analytic work. And then I put together these DFS lineups and I feel really good about them. And I know that they are just littered mm-hmm. with like reason. And then it doesn't go the way that it should go. And I can't I, quite I've figure been out building this is. season.
1: I, this season, I've been, my strategy has been figure out, it sounds crazy, but I've actually started with figure out my defense and figure out my two like, I'm a risk-it-biscuit kind of player, right? I like low – I like to find my, like, low – like, the people who are underpriced and my defense, and then I'll fill in the, high, the higher-priced guys because who knows? Like, is it a Devontae Adams week or is it a Keenan Allen week? I mean, or both, right? Like, so – So you, you know, start with around. your low-end guys? I, this season, more than ever – Low end, so I go defense, low end, quarterback, and then fill in the rest. When you're starting with your defense, backs just sucked for me too. Are you
0: looking for when you say you start with your defense? Are you looking how do you how do you approach that?
1: So all I want return wise from a defense. I don't typically pay up for the Steelers. Mm -hmm. I don't typically pay I don't like the high price ones. I like like this week, I'm definitely I don't know what the I, I haven't finished making my lineup yet, but like the Chargers are double circled, triple circled. I don't think they're going to be the highest priced situation. So slide in the chargers and then find some underpriced guys. And then, like, you know, for example, Mike Davis is probably underpriced, right? Because the Christian McCaffrey news is making it such that, you know, you have a potential for McCaffrey being back. So Davis is probably going to be a steal. So, like, slide in some steals. And then fill in with the the high priced guys like kind of as you see fit. Like so, for example, I want some flexibility on Sunday such that if Calvin Ridley doesn't play, I'm gonna go slide in Julio Jones, right? Like so, these are the types of things where I'm trying to make it so that it's, you know, I, I can have flexibility amongst my big big expensive guys. Yeah, Mike Davis is a weird one
0: because Mike Davis last week was priced if you just played the early slate of games or if you played like you know, as opposed to like the full day, he was priced differently. So he was more expensive for those that were playing the early slate. And then he was like $4,000 for everybody else, which is weird. I don't understand how that works. Super confusing. Um, Yeah. So I want to find out, you said the wide receivers that you would rather um, pay for other than Mike Thomas. We'll get to that when we talk about our matchup plays, but just rounding out the big news of the week and kind of what it means for everything the Panthers information, Mike Davis. And I, I guess let's just start with him. Cause I do want to get your thoughts on Teddy Bridgewater too, but, uh, but Mike Davis with no Christian McCaffrey, you feel comfortable playing him because he scored eight fantasy points in four straight games now. And only one of those was with Christian McCaffrey, the two games before Christian McCaffrey came back, he was eight fantasy points. He's the guy he's getting all of the uh, work in the volume. And then last week, no Christian McCaffrey, eight points again. What do you make of it?
1: You know, the interesting part about kind of trying to navigate the Panthers offense is you have to realize like Matt rule and Joe Brady are high volume guys. You're like, as this offense evolves, you're going to see a lot of points for a lot of their players, right? So I think that you're pretty safe looking at the matchup and saying, the lions oh you want to just let all of the running backs in the red zone score let's do that how about multiple scores for these guys let's do that right so it's all about the matchup when it comes to that one so for me i think you got to – that one's davis is a safe floor with a high ceiling i don't like that teddy's not there because i think teddy bridgewater's low key very underrated i would have played teddy bridgewater in fantasy in daily formats for sure this week but obviously I can't because, you know, injury potential is, yeah. is a little too risky. So, you know, it, it, even don't if he goes, you
0: don't, don't want to touch him.
1: Even if he goes, I'm, I'm out on that. Okay. Right. So I just not worth it. Right. But ultimately that makes it better for Mike Davis because, you know, look, I don't know who this, what to expect their offense to look like. I think you just downgrade like your Robbie Anderson's who were great picks against the lions. If there's no Teddy Bridgewater, it's more of a factor for the wide receivers. It's to me, Dave, it's just up arrow, up arrow with no McCaffrey.
0: Maybe. Okay. And, and there, there's an argument to make for downgrading Robbie Anderson because of the uncertainty of the quarterback position. But let's just say that they go with PJ Walker. Well, PJ Walker played with Robbie Anderson at Temple. So they have some sort of a connection there. And what we know about PJ Walker from his time in the XFL, which I realize is very different and it's a small sample size, but he was a guy who pushed the ball downfield. We're talking at a 10.1 a dot. He led the league in turnover worthy plays. He sounds a little bit like Jameis to me, just looking at the numbers and without having seen him play a lot. So I wonder if he might take a lot of shots if he's the quarterback and go deep in a way that maybe Teddy Bridgewater wouldn't, which gives Robbie Anderson a little bit of upside in that department, though uh you you can't you can't count on it as much, uh, what you're so gonna get from him.
1: For me, all the only thing I, I'm not I'm not anti Walker. I, I think you're gonna have guys in this offense, they're gonna slang it. And they're gonna that's what that's what Joe that's we you know, they you saw their style. Matt Rule, Joe Brady, I think they're great. Like they're great coaches. That's a team of the future, keep an eye on for sure, the Panthers. But the the interesting thing is with the matchups, right? So Robbie will see some Jeff Okuda, who has had a nice progression. He was the Lions' first-round draft pick. He's corner out of Ohio State. I don't know why I know so much about him, but whatever. Um, But, you know, you're you're, going to see the matchup there. And if you have a less complex offense, which you're likely to have with P.J. Walker, then it just means a less exciting situation for the receivers in this matchup. It's not about P.J. Walker. It's about the simplicity of the offense and the fact that, there's two guys that are good for the Lions on defense. Just two. Two. Like the entire defense. Just, just two. Two people. One, and Jeff Okuda. And the other one is actually Tracy Walker. I don't know if they're related, but we can pretend. His brother, PJ Walker's brother, who plays safety. So the both of them are kind of a little bit that's like the, the scariest parts of that Lions defense. And there's nothing scary about that little tiny meow that used to be a roar.
0: I want to pay off the Mike Davis point just because I – was going back and forth on this last night quite a bit about whether or not I felt comfortable playing Mike Davis this week. And then to your point about the Lions defense, right? They give up the most fantasy points to running backs. The last few weeks, they gave up 25 points and 15 points to Gibson and McKissick. Then the week before they gave up 39 fantasy points to Dalvin. Okay, Dalvin, you can take him off the table because he's insane. But the week before that, they gave up 21 and 20 to Hines, Naeem Hines, and Jordan Wilkins mm-hmm. from Indianapolis. And the week before they, they gave up 22 to Gurley, So this is a consistent pattern for me that makes me feel a lot more comfortable about plugging Mike Davis. And despite the eight point outings in recent weeks, because those are not names of people aside from Dalvin that are like, oh, they're playing the best running backs in the league and giving up a lot of yards. They're giving up a lot of yards and fantasy points to a lot of people that I think we could put Mike Davis in the same conversation as. All right. I want to find out your matchup plays of the week, your fades, your sleepers, stuff like that. First, though, we're going to take a quick word from our sponsors. We're back with some more roster help for you. It's Fantasy Friday. All right, Cynthia, let's start with the players that we love. Okay. Even more than usual. Obviously, there are some guys. You're always going to play them in your uh your season-long leagues. But this is the week for uh some people. They just have really good matchups. Help us isolate who some of those people might be for you.
1: So I think one that's surprising is obviously Patrick Mahomes. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. But is that surprising? No. But Lamar Jackson, who's kind of been an underperformer this season, I've spent a lot of time underperformer because you drafted him super high, and I think he's, what, quarterback number nine in most scoring formats. That's not where you expected him to be based on where he was drafted. To me this week, he is the remaining quarterback number two for the entire weekend just behind patrick mahomes tennessee has given up a sneaky amount of air yards per target that's nishkeet and on third down they've allowed a lot of conversions and they've been very vulnerable to the run which you know lamar jackson likes to do so for me i think he's kind of surprisingly better than i would have thought you know given given I don't know. I would have, Oh, Tennessee's good. I don't know. So, I was a little bit surprised by that one, but I'm also, look, in my top 10, I mean, Justin Herbert, you're you're despite the bad haircut, he's also number 6.
0: Downgraded slightly because of the He was 7. Hair, no, he was 6
1: and or whatever. And then he cut his hair and then he dropped. He was 5 and now he's 6. <laughs> <laughs> no, so he's like quarterback 6 of the remaining quarterbacks. So, you know, both of those two are absolute, I don't know. You wouldn't have thought so in the beginning of the season, but both of those two are kind of where they are
0: what about running backs uh we talked about deandre swift i oh, I, I don't about him all day <laughs> i mean but so the panthers allow the fourth most fantasy points to running backs this is a great matchup for him and it seems like finally we can count on <laughs> them using him in less of a uh back and forth situation from adrian peterson played almost 80 percent of the first and second down snaps last week and 40 percent of the third down snaps a career-high 16 carries a lot of yards after the catch it feels like he's finally the guy there and so we can count on playing him when he has a good matchup which he does in fact this week
1: Mm -hmm. he's kind of one of those guys you want to for going forward you want to like he's great for the fan if you look at his fantasy playoffs for regular season when your playoffs are typical playoffs what 14 to 17 he's in a good situation in those games too so he's one i might even be targeting for a trade other people I'm targeting for trades that have great weeks this week. I think James Connor will have a big week. I have a big Ugh, win slated. I can't. For them. I know. I'm I sorry. just
0: can't do James Connor. The last two weeks, we've said this for two weeks about James Connor and he keeps failing. I know six I know, 8 points last week against Cincinnati, four points in week nine against Dallas. You'd think they'd run the ball once they had a big lead last week, but they just kept throwing against Cincinnati. So it throws the whole thing out of whack. And I don't know if I can count on him or them to capitalize on a good matchup.
1: The only thing that I will say is that in this case, I think Joe Burrow is scary, and that game was closer than they probably imagined. So running might not have been good because Joe Burrow does have that quick quick strike ability, and the Steelers' defense, they give up a sneaky amount of air yards per target too, which is kind of weird considering we think of them as this crazy good defense because they are, but they have given up the deep play. And Joe Burrow's more of a threat. Now Jake Luton, not as much of a threat with that deep play. So I think this might be the week with the James Conner, And like, let's run the air out of the ball at the end of the game. Like, let's just see if we can keep this undefeated streak going. All good. And by the way, Nick Chubb, absolutely in. I like, and Duke Johnson, he's a great value. Absolutely in. I think you don't like Duke either? Duke.
0: Again, last week, he just didn't take advantage. You know what I mean? Like, you think that, so he got all of the carries. Just the volume is there. And everything tells you that you don't chase the points, you chase the volume, right? So he's going to get so much of an opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, but last week, 14 touches, 94% of snaps, just 5.4 fantasy points.
1: I know and no catches weird. And I, it sounds very counterintuitive because Texans versus Patriots, people think, Oh, Patriots, big win coming off this big win with the Ravens. But remember mother nature had a huge impact on that game. So it's not that I think that the, that the, the Pats aren't good. It's that I don't think they're very good. And I don't think that they should have beaten the Ravens. I think that was more of like a very weird fluke situation that we found ourselves in. So they are getting run on quite a bit. And Deshaun Watson, they need a win. I think this is an interesting one where the Texans could surprise and jump out to lead because there are points in that Patriots Stevens, despite being good, they're missing a ton of pieces. So those missing pieces might come into play on this one.
0: You know who I like in that game, and tell me if you agree or disagree, is Damian Harris. Yeah. Uh, Houston's the worst rushing defense in the league, uh, allowed two 100-yard rushers last week, uh, Chubb and Hunt, who are obviously special rushers. But uh, Damien Harris is kind of entering that conversation, it feels like, today on a little bit of a low, or this year, on a low-key note. He's fifth in rushing yards per game behind just Cook and Henry and Chubb and Sanders.
1: I I, I mean, I look, I think Dame, the only thing that I'll ever caution is that we always get tricked by patriots running backs so if you're playing in daily formats might as well on one do a one with damien harris and then maybe do another lineup with like a rex burkhead who's going to be less expensive and just because you know what's going to happen right we're gonna we're gonna there's all this great reasoning damien harris yes 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 absolutely alabama running backs are awesome yeah and he's been playing really well now it's a rex burkhead game for no reason at all then it's we you know we're all just wrong. He
0: can't do that. Bill Belichick cannot do that. Not now. Not not with Damien Harris playing us. the way that he's been playing. But I mean, it just doesn't make football sense to me. And I realize that what makes football sense to Bill Belichick is totally different than what makes football sense to me. But all of these yards after contact that he's picking up, um, I, I just feel like he's playing so well that even when Sony Michelle comes back from IR, that Damien Harris has clearly earned this role. And I can't imagine that Bill Belichick won't continue to ride that hot hand, so to speak. The only problem with him from fantasy standpoint is that they don't throw to him. So you really need him to get to 100 rushing yards or to score a touchdown. And he only has one of those all year long. So that lowers his fantasy value in PPR formats pretty dramatically.
1: I think the Cam rushing thing in this one, it's going to be yes, a soldier. very massive fantasy haul. So Cam, if I mean, I just assumed no one had Cam available. So if somehow Cam's available and you need a quarterback, y- uh, yes, you are taking Cam. <laughs> okay, so you like Cam this week? Yeah, I do.
0: Because Cam, also, I do have him in a league, uh, and I've kind of gone back and forth with who to play uh, between him and Drew Brees. And it's been a nightmare because I always choose the wrong one. Well, this week, but, you uh, got your answer for it's pretty. It's pretty easy. Yeah, it's Cam, everybody. Um, when it comes to running back, right, anyone else that want, you like.
1: Okay, so this is a this is a daily note, not a you know. I I'll make a lineup. I'll take one and I'll I'll make one with like a Derrick Henry, which you know is always very risky. But this week, Aaron Jones. I know this sounds a little nuts because. Obviously the Packers are playing the Colts. The Colts defense has a lot of really great metrics around them. And we saw them be just super stingy. We saw against the tit- the Titans in, you know, last week, very strong situation, but this is, this is where Aaron Jones, like really comes into it. And by the way, it's always distracting. We get Alan Lazard back. And then Devontae Adams has all these touchdowns, four in a row, four in four weeks and all these things. So, you know, it's interesting. So, I say though, one of my daily lineups is going to be built especially around Aaron Jones, so that I can take advantage of what could be the like monstrous Aaron Jones game.
0: I like it. What about tight ends? Are there any tight, tight ends it. you like this week? This is a position where I feel like a lot of people might be streaming this year because there's really only like two guys that you can count on every week
1: you should be streaming because I have, I actually have some like really interesting, like, look, don't, don't be in, in, especially in daily formats. Like you're either going to build around a high price guy, like a Darren Waller, or you're going to go the opposite route. And you're going to say, who is my like El Cheapo this week? And maybe Dallas Goddard is that guy. You could look at Dallas Goddard. You could consider Dalton Schultz. You could consider all of these like low price guys where if they get you a nice, like a touchdown your the ROI is huge so look for the matchups in that one so it's Dalton Jutz or Schultz or Dallas Goddard those are the two that I think have that nice touchdown ROI that are, I'm not building around Travis Kelsey this week I think that's way too expensive obviously you know super lucky if you have him in season-long formats yeah. great you're gonna win good job like a plus for you but Apart from those, you know, top two or three guys, like, you know, you're like, I think that the Dalton Schultz of the world is that's who you're, you're going to put in your daily lineups. What about Austin
0: Hooper? He kind of intrigues me this week because it's a good matchup. The Eagles have allowed the third most fantasy points to tight ends. Uh, last week was his first week back from appendicitis. The Browns, he had obviously a, a, a low fantasy number. I don't have it right in front of me. But yeah, uh, he just had right. one catch, two targets. Oh, I do. Yeah. 2.1 fantasy points he had. That's just, uh, no, but the, problem is, but the problem is that if you think back to that game, they didn't throw it all in that game because that was the big weather game with all of the wind. So you kind of wonder if they were just running the ball specifically for that purpose and if it had nothing to do with their usage of him. Because before he missed weeks four through six, he was leading the team in target share with 24%. Baker Mayfield looks for him on under pressure quite a bit. And the Eagles have a great pass rush, force a lot of passes to tight ends. So I'm thinking that if we assume that last week might've been an anomaly and we can revert to the way we thought about Austin Hooper back then before he left with appendicitis and you look at the matchup, it's a good matchup. He might be a good play.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's great. See, I am maybe this is maybe you've pointed out some of my own bias to me because one of my favorite wide receiver plays of the week who's underpriced is Jarvis Landry. So, I think perhaps I'm biasing myself by focusing on Landry and not thinking as much about Hooper. So that's because all of those things that you bring up, I, I kind of attribute also to Landry too. So my, you know, either way, so maybe in my daily lineups, I'll do some with Hooper and some with Landry, because all of those points are excellent. And I completely agree with you. I just, I guess I'm maybe a little biased against my Landry outcome.
0: (laughs) Okay. So you like Landry. What other wide receivers do you like?
1: So wide receiver, like underpriced wide receivers are my bread and butter. Like that's where I I sit there and I spend a lot There's of time There's so many. Thinking. It's fun, right? There's so many. It's super fun. I think you got to do one lineup, throw one lineup with Alan Lazard because he's back and Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers and blah, 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 which means it's going to be Marcus Valdez-Scantling, of course, you know, just because the way the season's going. They killed me last week with the MVS thing because I went heavy Everybody. on
0: Packers and he's the only one I left out. Of and course. then he was the guy.
1: So. <laughs> well, exactly. So why not? <laughs> oh, by the way, before we get off tight ends, I am actually... Trying to stay away from uh Tanyan. So the Green Bay Packers, tight end, uh, that Tanyan he for a while he was having like this. I like cra- the adjustment there. I heard you went Tanyan and then you, you know. went Tanyan. Listen, Tanyan, I, I messed it up. This is why I do math and takes not talking. A minute. Listen, it takes a minute. I need you. I need you. Um, but I, I'm staying away from him in this matchup. I think this is the week where, you know, you saw in the beginning of the season they had this chemistry where Aaron Rodgers had a 158.3. That's a perfect passer rating when targeting him in the red zone. And that we've seen that kind of erode. So I think now, like I think Aaron Rodgers is a fickle little beast. Mm. So I think this is the we go MVS, we go Alan Lazard, you go Devonte Adams, but I I'm staying away from Tunyon in this one, just as a as a note. It's just based on kind of the erosion of the passer rating. Well, no, okay. um, but back to receivers, which is yeah. what you asked me about. <laughs> um, I think that, you know, look, when, you, when you're looking for games to target, I think that you have to, obviously, the Atlanta Falcons news is interesting because you got to pivot if there's no Ridley, then that makes Julio Jones a far better option, and then potentially even some, you know, lower-priced guys from their team. Just, again, injury report, you got to check that, like, 90 minutes before the game starts. Do you worry I I, about
0: Julio getting doubled?
1: Oh, who Julio's Huel- always doubled. So like, yes, but no, but I mean the, the saints have given up, you know, I think it's either the second or the third most uh, passing yards per game so far this year. So Julio's always going to get Huel- who gets doubled like every week. So, you know, <laughs> it's nothing new for him, but he still does with- it. Okay. Yeah. He still does it. You still gotta like, it's, it's high risk, high reward always though. Cause the touchdown may or may not be there you know, like the trendy Jacoby Myers picture, but I think this might be the Keenan Allen week. You know, I told you the Jets defense, so Brian Poole, who's their nickel corner. Yeah, he's out for, and by the way, he was their best corner for sure, um, out for the season and not returning, which means, they're going to have some pretty hefty shoes to fill. And Keenan Allen runs a lot of his routes out of the slot. Uh, no nickel corner. And this really one of, if not the best slot receivers. In yeah. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and buy a lot of shares of Keenan Allen. Um, I think he has a really great week. And also Mike Williams on that team could have a lot of value. And, and obviously it's very easy to see how those deep passes can get caught when there's a lack of ability to stop them by the Jets defense. You know who I kind of like as a
0: low-end play at the wide receiver position is Michael Pittman. And And it's not necessarily matchup-related, you know, because Green Bay's defense, it's it's not specific for that. It's just that he's a cheap wide receiver at $4,500 on DraftKings who looks like he might be their one in Indianapolis. The way that they've been using him these last few weeks, 15 targets in the last two games. He ran around on 95% of pass plays last week. So I kind of like what you
1: might get out of him at such a low price. Totally. He's a great, he's a great flex even for daily for or for regular formats and absolutely a great format fit for you know daily picks. You know, obviously the USC person likes the USC person mm. I see there I mean, in a game against the Cal guy. You hurt. know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, just kidding. No, but I think Pittman, look, he's tall and the matchup is good. We've seen Zaire Alexander, so the corner for the Packers is really good. We, he's been banged up, so yeah. it, maybe he's playing, but maybe he's not a hundred percent. That's a nice matchup when you have someone who's super tall. A very, like Pittman can come up, can come down with the ball, and that's the type of thing that Philip Rivers seems to really like. <laughs> Most quarterbacks do. <laughs> what about
0: Chris Conley? He's just Three thousand dollars on DraftKings. He's averaging eight targets in the last two weeks with Chenault out. If Chenault is not out, then this is a non-playable guy, I think. Um, but if he is out, then that might be somebody to target at the low end. You said that you started with those low-end guys. Who are who are like the you know two or three that were your priorities this week?
1: So the the first one that I really like so. It, it's interesting because you have two strategies. You can find like a Chris Conley, which I'm, I'm totally with you. I like that strategy for finding someone who, who it could be bad, but who cares? It's 3,000 and you have to fill the slot, so it might as well be zero, right? So there, I like that strategy, but I also like people who are getting like an opportunity based on someone else's being missing, so I have some Russell Gage in there right now because I'm anticipating the Calvin Ridley not being there. So that's one to to pivot with, right? So you've got to always have another plan in case Calvin really does play, or even so, sometimes you take a you take a shot. I have a Traquan Smith also with that, obviously Saints receiver very risky situation, but I think it's a high scoring game. And in high scoring games, there's a lot of mouths to feed. A lot of mouths to feed means that's a great strategy. I have some Jacoby Myers shares with so with some Patriots opportunity here. The Texans give up a lot of yards on the ground. They give up a lot of yards through the air also. And then I really I always look to see which of the Steelers receivers is the least priced. And this week I kind of think it's a clay pool week. There's no reason. There's no like strategy behind that. It's merely a because a lot of shares go to their wide receivers, then you could go Deontay Johnson. You could go you could go any direction with that. But I, I I'm I like the claypool shares in this one. The matchup is slightly better based on my metric. But whatever. They're that all offense
0: of, drives me crazy from a fantasy oh, yeah. standpoint, right? Like from a real life football standpoint, yeah. we all understand you want as many weapons, you want to spread the ball around. You don't want the defense to know where it's gonna go. No. But from a fantasy standpoint, they're just Ridiculous. Frustrating because the the all three of the guys have had really big weeks, and all three of the guys have had really bad weeks. You just never know
1: which week it's going to be for which guy. Okay, so and then this is my one that I think people are going to be like, "What are you talking about?" Oh, I love it. But I I have a number of lineups, a number. There's this is guy. His name's CD Lamb. I don't know if you remember him mm. um, from from we back when we forgot about da- him. We did. Understand, Minnesota looked really, really good. That was the Bears. Uh, like, I don't mean to be whatever, and they still allowed passing yards, but the, the Bears, uh, C.D. Lamb, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. He's $5,000 on draft games, but I just wanted to double-check that I knew what that was. C.D. Lamb, that one's I'm building a bunch around him. And then Brandon Cooks, who's 5200 By the way, C.D. Lamb is less expensive than Brandon Cooks. That's crazy. Um, I'm building around both of them. I think Brandon Cooks has some sneaky – value against this defense who's going to be looking at Will Fuller and saying, I would like to stop you, Will Fuller, and Deshaun Watson's going to have some answers for that.
0: C.D. Lamb, I happen to have him sitting on my bench right now in the league in which you are the commissioner. I just checked. We're not playing each other this week, so this is good that you have not imparted all of this fantasy advice to me so that I can then (laughs) turn around and use it against you. Use it. Fine. Whatever. It's fun. Cynthia Freeland, thank you so much. This has been really fun for me. I love the way that you uh, the lens with which you look at all of this stuff.
1: Thank you so much for having me.